0: The Buddha's teaching is very much a teaching of cause and effect It's sometimes called that It's also a teaching of analysis In this cause and effect understanding we have what is called technically dependent origination everything that originates depends on something else that has gone before it which is a fancy way of saying cause and effect depend origination goes like a thread through the whole of the teaching and it is explained in many different forms but always starting with that, what we all experience in our daily lives and then gradually through the practice going to the final liberation from all suffering from all unpleasantness, from all problems, from all Dukkha Dukkha is a word we don't translate very well into English we need a whole string of words Dukkha is everything that doesn't please us So you can make your own list, can't you? We all have our own lists on that This dependent origination which is always showing a cause and effect doesn't have an ultimate beginning the Buddha Buddha never spoke about a, a beginning of everything that exists he spoke about our ignorance as a beginning for making us practice And that's all that counts. Whether we know, whether it was a big bang, or whether it was something else, doesn't really matter. The main thing is that we know we have ignorance and therefore we practice in order to eliminate that ignorance one day. Ignorance in Buddhist terminology does not mean that we're stupid. On the contrary, if we have found out that we're ignorant, we're very intelligent. It means that we are ignoring absolute reality. And that can be said about everyone who's not totally enlightened. Depend origination has been taught by the Buddha, in different aspects very often 12 steps sometimes 6 sometimes 10 probably depending on who was listening but he said one thing about all of them the one who understands dependent origination understands the Dhamma the one who understands the Dhamma understands the origination. In other words, he equates the understanding of this aspect of his teaching with the understanding of the whole, which shows us that it's very important.
1: <laughs>
0: the one I will talk to you about only has 10 steps, and it is a different one from the one that we're usually concerned with, it's not as well known, but it has exactly the same aspects in it of starting where we all find ourselves in our ordinary daily life, and then going towards spiritual emancipation. This one starts with the kind of company we, we keep. The Buddha often spoke about that. He often spoke about that a good friend is a great blessing.
1: <clears throat>
0: it's a very famous saying by Ananda, his cousin and attendant for 25 years, who once said to the Buddha Sir a good friend is half of the holy life or half of the spiritual life and the Buddha said do not say so Ananda a good friend is the whole of the holy life so with that statement we really need to look at the friendships we keep We say, birds of a feather flock together. The companionship with wise and mature people is one of the 38 blessings in the Great Blessings Discourse. And in this particular dependent arising or dependent origination discourse, which I will discuss with you, it is the first step. To have good friends. Now a good friend is well described by the Buddha so that we need to not be in any doubt what a good friend really is. But it doesn't only mean that we need to find a good friend it also means that we need to learn to be one. And if we learn to be a good friend in the spiritual connotation that the Buddha puts on it we will naturally find others who will also be our good friends. There are five qualities in a good friend which the Buddha considered specifically important. And the first one of those five is helpfulness but not just when it happens to fit in with our plans but to be helpful to the point of sacrificing our own time and energy our own wishes for the wishes of the friend that sacrifice helps us to reduce our egocentricity and that's what the whole teaching is all about we can say it in those two words reduce egocentricity very simple we can go home can't we I've said it all but it's not easy it's very simple to say and fairly simple to understand but it's not easy to do and therefore we need to stick around and practice to sacrifice one's own time strength and one's own desires For someone else, because one is that person's friend, is unusual to say the least. If we have a friend who will help us when it pleases them and try to find excuses and try to get out of helping just when it counts, then we can tell that that person is not our good friend. But we need not get angry about that. That person is only hurting him or herself. We may be aware of the fact that we don't have that person as a good friend, but the hurt is for the other because they're not working on reducing their own egocentricity. On the contrary, that person is strengthening it. The same, of course, applies to us. What do we do when somebody asks us to help them? Are we available or do we have excuses? At that afternoon we just happen to have to do something else or whatever it may be what we can find as an excuse. A kind of helpfulness from a good friend is one that one can rely on under any circumstance no matter what happens. This is a great generosity. And helpfulness goes together with generosity. It is not necessarily something material, that generosity, although it can be. It can often be. But it can be the kind of generosity which is just giving oneself to that particular situation wholeheartedly If we want to do anything well we've got to do it wholeheartedly So if we want to be a good friend or want to know whether someone is our good friend it's a matter of the heart it's got to be wholeheartedly most people unless they practice well don't get in touch with their whole heart they know bits and pieces of it fragments just when the heart starts talking once in a while this is our practice all of these things are the path. and if we that this path gives us joy then we will definitely stay on it so it applies both ways to have the friend and to be the friend the second quality that a good friend would have is equanimity, even-mindedness even when there is tragedy this even-mindedness and um, peacefulness will help the other one then to also have some measure of ease and it comes in the friend through his own understanding of impermanence so if we find a good friend it will be a wise and mature person someone who has already understood some of the underlying truth of existence constant change no matter what happens in life and existence sometimes we get what we want other times we don't the tragedies which arise are also again forgotten. A good friend will be someone who will get will not get excited, but help us to keep calm because himself has the underlying wisdom to be calm. This kind of friend is someone we can trust, we can rely on. We know that such a person will be there to help. This trust and reliance is also fostered because a good friend doesn't keep secrets from his or her friend. Friends are open with each other And tell each other truthfully. But at the same time, such a friend will keep those secrets. In other words, if we want to be a good friend, we must be totally open and honest to our good friend. Even about things which we rather not know about ourselves. That's the kind of truth and honesty with which we then have a heart-to-heart connection. If our friends tell us something, we will have to keep that as our own secret and not tell it to others. This kind of openness and truthfulness is also very important amongst partners who live together If one can't be totally frank and totally open there's always a feeling of a barrier of holding back There's always that feeling of not being totally at ease Only when we know that we can be completely honest without having that come back thrown back at us at some other time but realize that the other one is also equally honest, then we can feel totally at ease. Our friendship with such a person is a great support system. This support system must Mm -hmm. extend to our spiritual practice. Such a friend would be a friend who helps us to practice the spiritual path because he or she knows what is good for us and what other things would be harmful. Such a friend would keep us away from distractions and entertainments and help us to practice meditation, support us in all endeavors that lead to its spiritual growth. Naturally, as a friend, such a person would practice themselves. They would never try to keep us away from the practice for selfish reasons or deluded reasons. Some people do it for selfish reasons. They They want us to stay home. And some do it for deluded reasons because they can't understand why this should be helpful to do this sort of thing. But a good friend would understand this because of his or her own practice. A good friend would never be envious of us, would always be interested in our well-being. In fact, his or her joy about our good fortune would probably surpass the joy that person would have about their own good fortune. That's a real friend. To find someone like that is not easy, but to be someone like that means practice. And since, as I said already, birds of a feather flock together, if we are such a friend, we can expect that we will find such friends. It is very often one's own activities that bring about friendships with others. So if we have this in mind, we will also find that the Buddha spoke about noble friends and noble conversation as the common antidotes for our difficulties our hindrances we will speak about these and discuss the hindrances at another time but just enough about them to say that again our noble friends help us the noble conversations are important here in this course We're not going to have any conversations with each other. We're going to keep noble silence. But all that you will hear will be Dhamma. But what your own mind will tell you, you can find out whether it's a noble conversation or not. And if it isn't, we learn to change that. Through our meditative practice, we learn to let go of that which is not noble, unwholesome, distracting, and substitute that which is noble. So that is the first thing that we can think about for our own practice here during this course. Since you're not going to talk to each other, you will still have lots of conversations with yourself. And some of them might be quite helpful because you might be giving yourself a pep talk, might be telling yourself, Come on now, let's let's get meditating or something like that. And other times they might be quite unwholesome, they might be negative. It's too hot, it's too early I can't meditate, my leg hurts I'm going home I should have been at the beach and all the rest of it that also happens so you can look at it and say well is that a noble conversation and see whether you can be your own best friend Mm. and when you become your own best friend you can remember those qualities that a best friend should have he should help us to practice practice a path so you look at it and say, am I my own best friend? am I helping to practice a path We should um, be very happy about any kind of success in the meditation be very um, supportive of that you should um, not get elated or disgusted but keep an even mind Open the heart. Be generous and helpful. Open the heart to what? To the spiritual path, to the practice. Loving it. When the heart is open, we can love. Here we have to love the spiritual practice. Be totally honest. Am I totally honest with myself, about myself? What am I talking about to myself? Am I looking at the outside, at other people, at the environment, or am I looking inside, at myself? These are the five factors you can check out when you're having a conversation with yourself, whether it is really the conversation of a very good friend. Naturally, we have to learn to be our own best friend But others will help one if we find good friends who are like that Besides these qualities A good friend While being totally truthful uses loving speech in other words, friendship has the quality of lovingness. But it doesn't have the emotional impact that the love between partners has. It doesn't have this emotional turmoil that is so often associated with that. And therefore, it can be much purer. It can be a very strong giving only And while being truthful, the loving speech is part of a good friend. And we can be very sure that the more we have that, and that's not flattery, and that's not hypocrisy, it is the speech which comes from a loving heart, the more we're able to do that, the more friends we'll have. A good friend is also impartial, he can see both sides of the situation, it remains objective. Now again when we here have conversations with ourselves, again have a look and see, am I using loving speech towards myself? And am I impartial about the situation or about myself, or am I negative, too negative, or too positive? What is it? Can I actually have the relationship to myself that the very best friend would have? If we do that, we have two benefits. First of all, we become aware of what we're thinking and change it to something more useful. And secondly, we also learn about being our own good friend and can then extend that into our daily lives to being a friend to others. These are all characteristics of friendship, which, on the spiritual path, is very important, because we are fairly alone in it. The minority of people in this world practices mm-hmm. seriously, and. Having good friends on this path is so important as a support system. And also giving us this feeling of togetherness. And that's why it's very helpful to meditate together as we're going to do here. We're going to support each other with that since everybody is doing it there is a strong support system going the energy that everybody puts into it helps everybody else so although we are all going to meditate for ourselves by ourselves you can also remember that you are helping everybody else who is here and sometimes when there are people who really are becoming concentrated it can be felt as a tangible thing and it helps the others who are not getting concentrated but don't think that you are the only one that's not being concentrated just because everybody else is sitting there so nicely and only your mind is going from here to there it's unfortunately unfortunately, the human dilemma. And if we could all get concentrated just by wanting to, we wouldn't have to sit here. We could just do it. The noble silence is very important. And I will probably have to remind you of it once a day. Probably more often, but I won't say it any more often than that. Because it gets boring, doesn't it? But it is very important to keep noble silence because of the fact that that is the only way we can go inside of ourselves. Everything else is outside of ourselves. When we think, even without talking, we're going outside of ourselves. But when we then talk also, we're joining the world again. Here what we want to do, want to become aware of our inner world. And it is a very important and very interesting world. It's the one we live in. The outer world is nothing but the trigger. The inner world is our life. Here, we have a good chance of getting to know it. This tape is going to have a lot of dog on it. (laughs) (laughs) Naturally, here in the hall, I will always um, request you to ask questions at the question time and then we will have interviews at which time you are also urged to talk. But at other times it is an inner journey, going inward and going as fine inward as possible to touch upon one's own inner purity, where eventually we can come to a state of being where we are able to keep absolutely quiet and when which means no thinking and when we keep absolutely quiet even out of meditation but primarily of course in meditation we can come to a different level a more exalted level of consciousness all it needs is to stop thinking. But since everybody here, I assume, has already meditated once or twice, that sentence is taken with a grain of salt. All it needs is to stop thinking. Unfortunately, that's not easy. We will use different ways of trying to support that not thinking. But primarily it comes down to the fact that we go within and try to become aware of what we feel like in our inner life rather than what we think about it. We usually think about it. This is the the difference, the change. In reality, life cannot be thought about. It's got to be lived. And when we live it, we experience it. And when we experience, we feel. So the one clue about not thinking means to go inward and to become aware of what our inner life feels like. We will use the breath as our meditation subject. And we will use it as it goes in and out of the nostrils. Those of you who have an established practice with which you are satisfied, do it if you have practiced and only for a short time and it hasn't worked so well yet I will give you four different kinds of crutches which you can use in order to keep the mind on the breath four different ones means you pick one not all four you pick one and do it do it tonight and tomorrow morning if you then decide you'd like to try another one and try another one but it's never easy to train the mind it's more difficult than training the body so so our expectations should be dropped from the word go. Because if we have expectations of what this meditation is supposed to do for us, we can't be attentive to what we're really doing because we are expecting. We can either have an expectation or we can be attentive. And expectations are always be set by disappointments. They belong together, so no expectations. However, one thing helps, and that's determination. A determination at the beginning of the meditation which says, I'm gonna get concentrated. I'll really do it, and then drop it. Don't keep it in mind. Because if you were to keep that determination in mind, again, you couldn't be attentive to what's happening. You've got to have that determination like an anchor post and then let go of it. When the mind becomes too unruly, make a new determination. Do it again, say to yourself again, now I'm going to do it, and then drop it again. You might have to do that many times, it doesn't matter. If you need to give yourself a pep talk, that's fine too. Make it short and snappy, listen to it nicely, and then drop that too. Expectations are useless, determination is helpful. Using the breath as it comes in and out of the nostrils. The most difficult one but the most uh, concentrated one or the most one-pointed one is watching the breath right here at the nostrils becoming aware of the touch contact that the wind of the breath has at the nostrils right here watching it go in and out. For those of you who have practiced for some time and are doing that that's fine one additional injunction watch the breath inward going as far as you wish but outward going stay close don't follow out there are all the distractions in here is the feeling. So inward going, yes. Outward going, stop closely. If you notice that there's a pause between in and out breath, pay attention to the pause. It can be very helpful. Both of you have not practiced like that, or not practiced much, or not at all, Choose one of the four crutches. If you like numbers, count. One on the in-breath, one on the out-breath. Two on the in-breath, two on the out No further than 10. Every time the mind wanders off, back to one. Don't start thinking, I, was that number four? Or you no, know, might have been six actually. Or actually I should have been at nine already. So we have a long discussion then in the mind about numbers. So always back to one. If you don't like numbers, but you like words better, use the word peace. It's a good word. It means something to everybody. Peace on the inwards, peace on the outbreath. Please remember that it's the number or the word together with the breath. It helps to keep the mind focused. If you like, neither like numbers nor words, but you like pictures, there are people who have a very um, visual mind, where immediately pictures come up. Then imagine the breath as if it were a cloud. A cloud which comes out and a cloud which comes in. The cloud changes its, its shape. As it goes out, gets bigger when it's outside and gets smaller when it comes in. If you have a visual mind in technicolor, make it a beautiful color, white or gold, whichever you prefer. If you don't like clouds, use a ocean wave, either way, doesn't matter, together with the breath. And if you are more inclined towards sensations, which are physical feelings, then watch the breath going in and follow it into the body, becoming aware of the sensation on its way down and on its way up again and out. There are sensations of touch as the breath touches. Very often you can feel it in the forehead in the throat, in the lungs, in the stomach. Don't look for it, wherever you feel it. And you can feel an expansion as it comes in, a contraction as it goes out. No need to search for any sensation. Whatever there is, that's fine. These four, number, word, picture, sensation, are crutches in addition to the breath. They help one to stay put. If you have practiced in the past and only watched the breath in and out and have meanwhile stopped your practice for a while, you may need one of the crutches. Use it. Pick the one which you think is useful to you. When the distracting thought arises that everybody is subject to give it a label give it a name which can be either future or past bored hoping expecting worrying nonsense Dreaming, later, anything that you can think of as a label, use the first one that comes to mind. Don't try to find the right one and we get a new thought process going. Just stay with the one that has come to mind. This is a very important aspect of practice. Do not neglect this. I will explain to you why it is so important so that you do not neglect this. The only people who can neglect giving a label are those who have practiced long enough so that the thought which arises is only like a cloud in the back of the mind. It does not come forward strong enough to actually have a content Those who are practicing or have experienced that know exactly what it's like. It's like a cloud in the back. They need no labels. They don't have enough content, enough strength to even um, disturb. Eventually, with more determination, they also disappear. But any thought which has content and is strong enough to disturb the meditation needs a label. For the first reason that we then stop being the thinker and become the observer. And that's what mindfulness is all about, being the observer, watching oneself. So as soon as we become the observer, the thought disappears. It falls to bits, and we can go back to the breath. The second great benefit from this is that in daily life, We can then, because of our learning practice in the meditation, also be the observer of our thinking. Nothing can be more important than observing and naming and labeling our thinking process. When we do that in daily life, we will then also have learned to substitute the unwholesome thought with a wholesome one. Here, we substitute any thought with the breath. In daily life, we no longer allow our thoughts to dominate us. We will then, by naming them, realize which ones are helpful and which ones are not, and be able to drop and substitute. Nothing can be more helpful. So we have, even without great deal of concentration, immediate benefits of learning to substitute, to labor, and to become aware of our usual thinking processes, the habitual way we're thinking. And one of the things which is habitual for all human beings is that we're constantly in the future, in the past, and forget about the present. In order to meditate, we have to be in the present. So we are learning something extremely important. We cannot watch the breath that went before and we cannot watch the breath that's going to come in the future. We can only watch the breath. By learning and training the mind to be in this moment, we are gaining a different perspective on life if we then transfer that Ability into daily living. Being in this moment makes an enormous difference to our reaction and our whole relationship to ourselves and the world. This moment, there's no worry or fear. This moment is only now. And since life has to be lived each moment, we will through this eventually learn to live life in a totally different way without all the ideas that we'll usually put into it but just by being here now one moment of concentration is one moment of purification even if you have only one second of concentration during that one second you cannot have any negative thoughts Or emotions so that purification takes place automatically the more we concentrate the more purifying it is pick the one crutch you want to use do the labeling when you have an unpleasant feeling in your body because of the sitting posture Become aware of the fact that this body doesn't have dukkha, it is dukkha. That's always something it needs. Try to take your mind off that unpleasantness and put it back on the breath. From that we learn that we don't have to keep our mind where we don't want it. We can put it somewhere else. we can also learn that we are always looking for the pleasant feeling which in this case we're not getting so the mind reacts negatively that's another very important learning situation only when you experience it will you know it that we're always looking for that which is pleasant and nobody can always get what is pleasant. So we are fighting a lost battle. When then the mind says, all right, I've taken my mind off this unpleasant feeling, I've gone back to the breath three times already, but it's still very unpleasant, and I can't sit like this anymore. Then change your position slowly and carefully so as not to disturb the neighbor or yourself too much and admit to yourself that you've been conquered by an unpleasant feeling. That admittance is absolutely essential because usually we think that is the way we have to be. We don't have to be. We don't have to react. We must choose to react and not be forced to react. So you have your meditation subject Watch your thoughts and label them and you learn from your reaction to the unpleasant feeling. We will now use those instructions and actually do the meditation. Before we do, are there any questions? Yes.
1: Could you repeat know
0: the touch that was to do with
1: sensation? With what, please?
0: Sensation. Sensation. You follow the breath into the nose, into the body, and become aware of any sensation that arises in connection with the breath. First, you will feel it at the nostrils, then you can feel it in the forehead, in the back of the head, throat, lungs, wherever. And as it goes in, it expands the body, and as it goes out, it contracts the body. These are all sensations. You don't need to find them all, whatever you find. Is that clear? Yes. Okay. Yes.
1: I don't understand what you mean by labeling those thoughts as
0: trying to distract. You. you don't know what that means? No. All thoughts are distracting from your meditation subject. So you give it a name that thought. If you're thinking for instance of what you were doing during the day today, well you can call it past. If you're thinking of what you're gonna do when you get out of here, that's the future. If you're thinking of that the bed you got wasn't very good, well, that's dislike. Okay, is that clear? All right. Anything else? Please put your attention on the breath for just a few moments. Think of yourself as your own best friend looking after your own happiness loving caring and responsible fill yourself with that love and care and surround yourself with it feeling safe and secure Think of yourself as the best friend of your nearest and dearest people. Caring, helpful, concerned, loving and honest. Fill them with your friendship, surround them with your love. of yourself as the best friend of your parents, fill them with the depth and sincerity of your friendship, showing them your care, embracing them with love. Think of your good friends Think of yourself as their best friend Filling them With your care With your love Embracing them Deeply and sincerely Think of yourself as the best friend of the person sitting nearest you in this hall. Fill him or her with your care and concern. Surround him or her with your love, with your friendship. Think of yourself as the best friend of everyone here, letting your heart reach out to everyone. Helpful, caring and concerned, happy about everyone's practice. Surround everyone with the depths and sincerity of friendship, with your love. Think of yourself as the best friend of your neighbors at home the people you work with and those you meet on the street and in the shops here and there be their best friend fill them with your care your concern surround them with your love make them your friend Think of anyone whom you find difficult and think of yourself as that person's best friend wanting to help, giving and caring with love let your heart reach out to people whom you know being their best friend opening the doors of your heart to all of them and then Let the friendship flow out from your open heart to people near and far, touching their heart. With the gift of your care and concern, is a gift of your friendship and your love. put your attention back on yourself be determined to be your own best friend giving caring loving accepting and helping fill yourself with the feelings of friendship surround yourself with love people everywhere be friends with each other